business. Thanks for coming out tonight. I wrote me a manual, a step by step booklet for you to get. Now I make money move. What up, what up, what up, guys? Welcome back to the Fitness Times Business Podcast, the show created to provide you with the practical and strategic advice to help you level up in fitness, business, your career, your relationships, and your life. My name is Joseph Mansell. I am your host, and I have a special guest for you guys in this episode, the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only Jamie Skiffin. Thanks for having me on the show, bro. Hey, man. Welcome. Or I should say welcome back because uh, you and I have known each other for a very long time. It's been a while, um, bro. You've been a part of MJ and, and TMJ over the years for, um, I mean, on and off multiple times. We'll get into that in a second. Yeah. Um, man, the, the, you are... I'm going to give. I'm going to let you kind of give your own elevator pitch, but just a little bit of an introduction to um, the listeners and the viewers who perhaps don't know who you are or are being introduced to you for the very first time. Um, you are. You have more probably supplement industry experience than um, pretty much anyone I know. Apart from myself, I was say, besides <laughs> yourself, I've been around for a while. I mean, you've worked in a supplement retail. You run your own supplement brand now. You've worked for a lot of different companies um, on and off over the years. Um, man, there's and there's a lot to unpack, and yeah, there's there's there a is. lot within your um, your personal story and your personal journey thus far that I think we're going to extract a whole bunch of value out for the listeners and the viewers. Um, those who are interested in the supplement side of the fitness industry, and then those who aren't, right? Those who just listen for for general inspiration and motivation. But for the listeners and the viewers who are meeting you for the very first time, a uh, little elevator pitch. Who is Jamie Skip and where have you come from? Um, where are you now? And how did this all kind of come together? If I go back to the very start, I think I've been involved in the fitness industry probably a bit over 10 years now because I don't even know if you know this, Will Giles and myself used to run our own online supplement company back before I did MuscleWorks, which was called Elite Performance Supplement. So I've even been around the stuff industry longer there than I go. actually remembered. So. Yeah. so we used to compete against each other. Yeah, I know. My first, <laughs> my first show was against you back in well, 2014. Yeah, both in, in bodybuilding and in business. Yeah. There you so, go. Yeah. How, how old are you real quick? 28 now, bro. Yeah, I was going to uh, say. I thought veteran you, of this industry I, now. Well, you know, but... I say that, but you first started working in the industry when you were like 17, 18, yeah. right? Yeah, so my first taste for it. And like, I've been lucky, like to an extent, like obviously you earn the opportunities you get, but I yeah. have been very lucky to work with the people that I have over the past 11 years. So, yeah. but yeah, my first taste in the, I guess, fitness industry was probably about when I was like 17, 18 years old. Um, back then, I obviously didn't know what a fitness show was. So we just used to get nice and lean for festivals. and Shred for stereos, Exactly, man. man. Back that in was the where days, it was at. That, yeah. It was. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think I got a uh, first job in the fitness industry, like actually working in a retail store when I was 19 years old. So that was down at Muscleworks at Glenelg. Yeah. Um, and Which was then, a supplement retail store. For, yeah, for, so that was, um, that was my first taste of working in a retail store. And obviously, I got to meet a lot of different reps and I guess understand and see how the industry... I guess worked, like obviously it's changed a bit over the last 11 years, but it is still the same kind of like pillar things. Like you've got your yeah. different reps going around doing the same things. The, obviously, root, the, the grassroots stuff yeah. is, is, and, is and the, still there. the brands haven't changed a whole hell of a lot. Like the, the good brands haven't changed anyway. So um, yeah, I got into the supplement industry when I was about like properly into it when I was 19, I guess met a lot of people through that, um, then competed in quite a few shows. And again, lucky enough to go and compete at the Arnold Classic over in Melbourne. So 
I've met a lot of people in the industry through competing, through working in different retail chains, stores, and then obviously I came and worked for you guys in 2015. Um, that same time, you and I went over and did the Amateur Olympia over in the Gold Coast together. So yeah, as a young 21-year-old, I got to do some pretty cool things, which I probably didn't really appreciate or realize at the time. But like, there's not many 21-year-olds that get to travel to the Gold Coast, do an Amateur Olympia, do an Arnold Classic, like all in the same year and meet all these like amazing professional athletes and people in the industry. So yeah, the first uh, first three years was pretty eventful, that's for sure. Yeah, you were you were definitely um, you know r- racking up the notches in your belt at a very young age. It was. Um, your uh, uh, d- correct me if I'm wrong, but your kind of introduction into um, the industry and and really the competitive side of the sport came through Aussie Rules football, right? Yeah, so that's where you where you started through high school and whatnot was coming up through Aussie Rules football, and you were you were one of the guys like myself when the strength and conditioning piece comes along when it's like you know it's time to start building some muscle, getting a little bit stronger to perform better at the sport, and you have the two camps, right? You have the people who just hate being in the weights room and just want to get on the field or the court or whatever and just play the sport, and they just loathe the strength and conditioning. And then you have the bros like yourself and myself where we're like, oh, weights. Yeah, uh, I've always loved the training side <laughs> yeah. of it, man. And like I said, I was pretty handy at footy growing up being a junior. I played for Sturt, um, which is obviously an elite level SANFL club over here. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just decided one year, I was like, all right, like, yeah, if you want to do this properly, you need to obviously start getting a bit stronger in some movements, like get fitter. So back in the day when it was fitness first, they used to do a deal where if, you went to high school, I think it was high school or something like that. You could go into the gym and train for free over the school holidays between certain hours. So mm. I think it was between like 8 and 11 or something like that. So I'd get up in the morning, head to fitness first, go and train there. I had no idea about nutrition or anything like that, but yeah. I knew I needed to get stronger. So yeah. that's kind of where the whole bodybuilding thing started. Yeah, 100%. And then you've you, you've come in, you're working in industry, you're competing. You and I competed against each other in men's physique in uh, 2014. 14 and then 15 twice. So we've done 14, a few shows together. Yeah, and then, and then 15. And then you uh, you started working for, for MJ's uh, as our Seaford store manager i did in 2015 there yeah. as well so, so that like was, that was my first manager job so i guess that was yeah. the first taste of like all right, like i guess like a leadership kind of role like you're you run the store you've got a casual like you need to set the standard for what is going to be like represented at this store like mm-hmm. and that's something that i guess falls on any manager or anyone in any leadership position so mm-hmm. growing up like playing footy and stuff i was never in the leadership group or anything like that so because I think it's just something that you obviously do develop over time. And then now where I'm at now, as a 28-year-old running my own company, like I do need to be the one that sets the standard of what I expect everyone else to do. So whether that's in business, whether that's in like your personal life, relationship, that's one quote that I really do like because there's so many different like variables that it can be applied to. So yeah, so I hold myself quite accountable from a leadership point of view and that's what i attribute that to where that started was like you guys giving me that manager gig in that store seven years ago so yeah 100 percent, man and you know it was uh it was a bunch of years ago now but i do remember you being a very good manager um at that particular store and that store was a new store for us in 2015 we opened it in december 2015 um and it uh it took off like a rocket which had a lot to do with your management of the store um so you did a really good job 
at this point, you're, what is this? This is like seven. So you're 21, 22. Your entire life, right, is tied up in- uh, Everything revolved around bodybuilding. In bodybuilding, yeah. right? You're competing in bodybuilding. You're doing well competing in bodybuilding as well. You mentioned you went to the Amateur Olympia. You're doing well at the state shows, the national shows, competing at the Arnold. You're a manager at a retail supplement store now. Everything in Jamie's life is coming together. And then- then I put a bit too much weight in my bench press one day. Yeah. You know, the funny thing about that was that we were supposed to train chest that Monday as well. And I was like, I'll go on and do a bit of light pressing like, before I go and train with Joe. So yeah. Yeah, it was a poor, poor call on my point. Yeah. So, I remember, man. It was um because I, I remember it was late one night and uh, a sad, Saturday night, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we um uh we have uh within the um massive Joe's business, we have a, a group chat a group facebook chat and everyone in the company's in it it's kind of like our team we call it team chat right and i remember it was late saturday night because usually saturday night nothing happens in the team chat <laughs> it's busy during the week the weekends it comes down saturday night and jamie's popped a message in the team chat and said um hey guys uh i think i've torn my pack um what do I do? <laughs> something like that. Yeah, it was something along. And I saw line. the message and I was like, fuck. I, I had two thoughts initially, right? My my first thought was, oh shit, like um, if Jamie's torn his pack, like this is this is a big fucking deal, right? Because of everything that was, you know, everything was happening for you at that point in time. Yeah. And like, right? was, and, again, but, like but everything was attached to bodybuilding, right? So my first thought was, oh fuck, like, you know, um, I hope Jamie hasn't torn his pack. Uh, this is a big fucking deal. And then my second thought was, mm, if he thinks he's torn his pack, he's probably torn his pack. Well, I think, I can't remember who wrote it in the chat. And they're like, yeah. like, how do you know you tore your pack? Like, you would have felt it. And then yeah. that's, I think you wrote that. And I was like, no, I felt like the fibers, like, yeah, I felt like, I felt like Velcro rip. fucking yeah. unripping. Yeah. That's, the, the, yeah, that's a torn pack. So yeah. you, um, and you did a really good job, man. Like, I you, did. I don't uh, do things by halves. You, you, tore your pec right through the middle of the muscle. You actually tore yep. the bicep on the same side as well. Yeah. So obviously the side that I tore it on, it dropped, like the weight yeah. pretty much hit the floor. So like there was a small tear in my bicep, but they weren't concerned enough with that to want to like do surgery on it. So I think it was only like a grade one or two tear. So I wasn't at the worst end of it, but the pec was, yeah, I did a good job of that. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. So um yeah, and like I still drove home from the gym, like tore my pack, like walked in the change rooms, took my shirt off, kind of felt around. I was like, is it torn? Like obviously I've never torn a muscle before. So mm -hmm. at that point, I'd never been injured in football. I'd never hurt myself doing absolutely anything. So yeah, and like you said, like everything was kind of like business was going well, training was going well. I decided that I wanted to do bodybuilding, not men's physique anymore. Like I was uh, 114 kilos at 21. Like everything was like going like smoothly, like everything felt like it was just clicking exactly how it should be. So, and um, yeah, I probably did feel kind of invincible at some point. Like, I, and I knew that as well. Like I told people, I was like, I've never done an injury. I've never done this. I've never done this. So I probably jinxed myself a little bit from that point. So um, yeah, it was a reality check. That's for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. Two questions that I want to take a deep dive into around this, um, you know, this, this serious injury, because I've, Unfortunately, I've been there in person when people have done serious injuries, pec tears in particular, and they I still have nightmares about the ones that I've witnessed in person. It is a absolutely horrific injury. Um, just to, to any, visually? To, yeah, yeah, to anybody, but particularly, you know, competitive physique-based athletes, 
Like it's a it's one of the worst injuries that you can do as a, as a physique based athlete, um, and I've also not personally witnessed, but I've I've seen a lot of people do these serious injuries, and they have a lot of difficulty coping with the fallout of it. You know, especially when their identity is attached to the fitness lifestyle, right? Yeah. Being able to train, being able to look a certain way, you know, just living that lifestyle. So. I got a couple of questions for you with regards to, to to this serious injury. The first one is, how did you deal with your identity being so attached to that lifestyle and then through the injury effectively having the identity ripped away? Yeah, well, I guess being young as well, you're obviously not as in tune with yourself as what you are when you're like the age that I'm at now. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, like as soon as it happened, it probably took me a little bit to process. It wasn't until I kind of woke up the next morning, like went into the doctors, had a scan. I was like, nah, hopefully it's just like a little tear, like it's nothing too major. And then when got the scan done, I think you actually had to go and work at the seafood store for me for a few hours that day. So yeah, yeah find a better boss than that. <laughs> Thanks, um, man. <laughs> so yeah, I went and got the scan done and they kind of said there's like, there's a lot of bleeding and inflammation there, like, but there's two pretty severe tears. Like you've completely torn your pec. So um, yeah, I was obviously trying to stay optimistic the next morning when got that done. And then from there, it was kind of like, all right, well, I've never done an injury before. So um, what's the process next? Like, how do you even go about organizing a surgery? Like, who do I speak to about this kind of stuff? So um, I was lucky mum's partner is a doctor. So they kind of took care of all of that. And I think I got into surgery on like Wednesday. So I tore it on Saturday and then had a full reconstruction on the Wednesday. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, from there it was my whole life revolved around bodybuilding. Like mm -hmm. there was nothing else that I was really focused on. Like it was wake up, go to work, work in the fitness industry, go home, go eat, then go to the gym, fitness industry, go home, eat, sleep, like fitness, 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 fitness. There was no no balance or nothing outside of that. Like that was the sole thing that I was focused on. So um, I guess after I had the surgery, you're obviously in a sling for six weeks. And like I felt sorry for myself for probably like a good like week or two. I can remember coming into the old HQ and being a moping around and having Mill come and ha come and have like a bit of a mum chat with me and say everything's gonna be all right like you're gonna be fine so but again at 21 your whole life revolves around bodybuilding like it was the end of the world for me so um seven years later I can kind of look at it as almost like a blessing because I took so many positives away from a negative situation so for two weeks you can't do anything like I just had to go home finish work go home sit there watch TV, sling on, couldn't do a whole hell of a lot. So um, after the two weeks, I was allowed to start going back to the gym. So that was more for my mindset more than anything else. Like I knew me getting up and doing something would be better than me going home and just sitting on the couch doing absolutely fucking nothing. So um, as much as it sucked, I can remember going into that world gym at Nord, sitting there on the recumbent bike for like an hour, watching all you guys train, film. Um, so you obviously feel like you're missing out on a lot because two weeks ago I was in the – best shape of my life, like all the potential and plans in the world. So two weeks later, sitting there with a sling on, couldn't do anything, sitting on a recumbent bike, watching everyone else train while I couldn't do anything. So um, yeah, the first few weeks were really, really difficult. And I can remember thinking that as well. Like I'd be sitting there watching something and I'd always look up and see everyone else who I'd normally be training with training. And then you're obviously missing out on the sidelines with an injury. So um I think at about four weeks after I could start doing legs. So I kind of like 
And that's always been my mindset. It's a what's what's next mindset. So um, you can't change what's happened. Like you can't go back in time and change what's happened. You can just control how you move forward with it. So that was my mindset at that point in time. So no matter how crappy and how bad that you feel, like you've got to just keep moving forward. Like it's going to get better. If you sit still, like you're going to sink and nothing positive is going to happen. So um yeah, I started training some light legs and then obviously at six weeks out, the sling came off. And once the sling came off, it was uphill really, really quickly. So if you look at a rehab for any injury from like a just a single goal-orientated point of view, six months, that's yeah. a long time. And when I first did the injury, that's all that was in my mind, like six months of no training, like six months of doing nothing before I can like actually start training properly again. And then once I went and saw my physio and obviously planned a few things out, I was like, okay, you get the sling off at six weeks out. You can start the rehab process at 12 weeks out. At 16 weeks out, you can start increasing stuff. So rather than look at it from like a six-month point of view, I was like, all right, we'll focus on this first. And then once you've done this, you move on to the next small goal. Just keep ticking those boxes. And then before you know, you're going to be back training again. And that's exactly what happened. So... Um, and I've kind of taken that and I still do that in business or in prep or anything like that. If you look at the thing from a big picture point of view, like pump prep, like it's 20 weeks, it's a long time to like prep for versus if you break it down into like, all right, the next four weeks are going to look like this. The next four weeks after that are going to look like this. Then you might have two weeks that look like this. Like it's going to be a lot more productive and you just can focus on ticking those small boxes rather than just one big box. So it's the old um, how do you eat an elephant question, yeah. isn't it? You know, if you if you get so caught up with thinking about how big the elephant is yeah. and going, man, like how am I ever going to conquer this? Yeah. It's it's too big. I don't even know where to start. I don't know what the journey or the path is going to look like. And you can kind of get yourself in in a mindset where because it's so overwhelming, you don't even start. You're like, I'm never going to get there. It's never going to happen. What's the point of even starting? Versus, well, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Yeah, So exactly. you just start, right? You take a bite here and then, all right, cool. Let's focus on the next bite. And then let's focus on the next bite. And it's almost like, you know, sometimes when you zoom out and you look at the big goal, it can be a little bit too overwhelming. Yeah, very daunting. And you, yeah. you almost have to go zoom in, yeah. super focused. What can I do right now? Yeah. Right? What what What's the step after that? And, and then the, what's the step after that? And that was exactly it. It was what can I do right now? Yeah. Okay, once I've done that, okay, cool. What's next? What's next? And then before I knew it, it was I was back in the gym training in what seemed like absolutely no time at all. And like because I, like I said, ticked off all those small, small, small goals, then four months went by super, super quickly. And like they gave me, I think, about six months before I'd start training properly again. And then I think I was back almost to the same weight in about, 19 weeks or something like that so um yeah rather than looking at a big picture thing like you tick off those small goals and you might recover quicker than what you actually think you're going to so within about five months i think i was pretty much back training like i'd say probably at about 70 to 80 percent of the capacity that i was before so it was quite a quick turnaround so um but there was never any doubt in my mind like you said a pec tear is obviously quite a severe injury and I probably stopped watching as many bodybuilding training videos while I was recovering. And that's when I started, I guess, learning who Kobe was and a lot more about his mindset and his mentality towards everything. So, and then learned about Kobe's Achilles tear and how he rehabbed and came back from that. So even now, like I've got 
very much mindset and it's something I ask myself in the gym all the time and in prep it's a what would Kobe do kind of thing so that's where I guess that originated from so um yeah it was probably good for me to take a step back like I said like there was that identity of like okay you've built yourself up as Jamie like the bodybuilder or Jamie in the fitness industry like what do you want to be known for like right now you're known for your physique not anything outside of the gym like what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind what kind of person do you want to be known as so um yeah it i did take a, a lot of positives out of quite a negative situation yeah and i think you know it's the only way to be jamie you know uh, things are very rarely going to go to plan Almost in, never. in any area of your yeah. life, right? In in fitness, you're going to come up against injuries like you did. You're going to come up against different areas of life that are going to pull your focus away, right? You might have a family, or you might have a business, or you know whatever it is. You're in your um in your career in your business. You're going to have really good periods, and then you're going to have really tough, really shit periods, right? Things are never going to go perfectly to plan. There's always going to be obstacles that that present themselves and you have to decide what you're going to do with the obstacle. Yeah, exactly. And I think so often, you know, people kind of come up against um, setbacks and work themselves into such a negative state of mind where it's like, you know, and I see this a lot with the, with the serious injuries is it's like, well, fucking, I'm just going to give up on everything. Yeah. It's a very right? like a, a why me kind of mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Like, victim, victim mentality, yeah. man. Yeah. Victim mentality. Whereas you can choose to perceive that obstacle as an opportunity to do something else. Yeah, well, right? another, if you treat it as another challenge, like yeah. bodybuilding, competing, all those things, that's a challenge, all right? Yeah. Like I've never done an injury before. I've got to have surgery and rehab this. Like, yeah. okay, this is a new challenge. So, well, not even through that, but, you know, confronting any challenge, what skills can I develop yeah, exactly. by confronting this new challenge that I've never had to deal with before? Exactly. Right? And with you, when first time you've ever done a serious injury, right? What skills can I develop through this rehab process? Yeah, exactly. you know what other what other um, areas of life can I explore? And so much of that now you can look back on it, right? Almost ten years later, and you can go well, with what you're doing with vice versa, your supplement company at the moment is you can go well. You know what? There's th th that Kobe inspiration that helped me through that rehab. Well, I've carried that right through to to being a part of my supplement company now. Yeah, well, and it all kind of ties together, right? All of these different, you know, the, the way that you kind of work through these challenges, the way that you kind of work through these obstacles becomes the fabric of who you develop as a person. Exactly. Like I said to you a couple of, well, last week when we were talking, obviously we've had some manufacturing issues with one of our products and yeah. it would be easy for me to just be like, no, this is too hard. Like, mm -hmm. this is like, this is shit. Like I've like spent like this amount of money and now we've got like this many products that like we've got this issue with. And that has not crossed my mind once. It's been like, okay, like, what do we do from here? Yeah. Like, what's next? Like, what do we, like, okay, that's happened. Can't change that. Like, what am I going to do about it? It's like, move forward from there. So that exact mindset, and it wasn't until we had that chat last week that I was like, well, that's exactly what my mindset was like seven or eight years ago. And that's just translated into like a, like my business, like eight years. Obviously different situations, but it's the same kind of mindset. Like, it's not that like, fuck, why did this happen to me mindset? So, okay, like that's happened. That sucks. What are we going to do moving forward kind of thing? You know how I think of it? I think of it, I have this concept that I call success capacity, right? And um, in, a, in a nutshell, I believe that all of us have different levels of capacity to achieve different levels of success, right? And the way that you build your 
success capacity is to go through difficult shit, right? The more difficult the challenges, the more valuable the skills, the mindset, the grit, the determination, the perseverance that you're going to develop by confronting those challenges, that's actually going to build more capacity for you to experience greater levels of success 100%. on the flip side. Yeah, 100%. right. And you see it all the time. The people who you look up to who are the most successful in all walks of life, if you dig into their story, you will often find that they went through some really heavy shit. Yeah, right? all of them, man. And they were able to get through it. And through confronting those challenges, they developed skills and they developed mindset that has helped them soar to high levels of success. 100%, man. It's like I was saying, if you're going through hell, keep going. Well, if you stop, you're stuck in hell. Yeah, right? exactly. If you keep going, you'll figure out a fucking way to get through it. Exactly, right? man. So we go from your injury um, to uh, the next big uh, part of Jamie's story. And that was you uh, up until this point, right? Born and raised in Adelaide, South Australia. Born in New South Wales. Oh, I fucked that up. Uh, lived most of your life <laughs> yeah. in Adelaide, South Australia. There you go. I learned something new. I didn't realize you were born in New South yeah. Wales. Yeah. When did you move to Adelaide? I think when I was about five. Okay. So, like so I spent like a good majority. Born in New South Wales, <laughs> raised in Adelaide, yeah. South Australia. Right. You'd lived your life. You know, you 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 family's here. You've developed friendships here. You've developed a career here. It's all happening here. Everything's here. Yeah. And you decide, you know what? I, um, I, I want to move. Yeah. I want to move to a different city. I want to, um, I guess this kind of ties into the rehab process of, of, um, of your pec. And you're kind of like, you know what? I want a, a little bit of a fresh start here. Um, an opportunity came up at the time as well because you were working at MJ's we uh, had announced that we were going to open our first store in Melbourne, in Coburg, and you kind of put your hand up and you were like, okay, everything's kind of aligning here. I'm going to put my hand up. I'm going to move to Melbourne and I'm going to, I'm going to um, run that store. It's funny because like, there's no specific point where I can remember like something just clicking me being like, I could do that. It was literally like, yeah. like you announced the store was running. I think you did it at a… <laughs> I think we had a team dinner or something like that. And then as soon as you announced it, something clicked and I was like, I could do that. Mm -hmm. And now I don't know if that, and the funny thing is if I didn't tear that peck and go through that injury and like go through that challenge, I don't know if I would have been the same person if I didn't do that injury. So going through that challenge, like I'm not going to say that I enjoyed that rehab process, but again, it was something completely new. So then when you announced that we were opening a Melbourne store, it's like something clicked and I was like, that'd be a cool challenge. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm a very growth mindset person. I've always liked to challenge with things. And yeah, I remember approaching you about running the Melbourne store and then I think you asked me if I had any friends or any family or anything over there and I was like, nah, not really. <laughs> so but yeah, then I sat down with you and Leah and we kind of like put the wheels in motion. You guys made sure that I was set up properly over there and like, I had somewhere to live over there. Like I had everything sorted, what my plan was. Like I can remember Mill asking if I needed help moving anything over there that we could put it in the truck and ship it over for me. So like you guys were awesome from that point of view. So like very, very supportive. So um, yeah, I think it was probably, I'm not sure what month it was. I reckon it was, no, it was the week, the day after the grand final or two days after the 2016 grand final was when yeah. I moved over there. So yeah, well, we opened that store in October. Yeah. 2016. Yeah. So the timing, the yep. timing works. Yep. Yeah. No, don't yep. worry. I can remember because I was out on the the Saturday of the grand final. I went out with two mates and watched it, the Bulldogs Sydney grand final. You're a Sydney fan, aren't you? Yes. Oh, sorry for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, man. <laughs> 
But yeah, so um, and I'd never done more than like an hour drive or anything like that. So me driving eight hours to Melbourne seemed like an eternity. I was like, oh, fuck that. I want to fly over there. Yeah. <laughs> so but yeah, packed up the car, packed everything into my car and then drove over on the Monday with my mum. Um, then she flew back and it probably wasn't until like, I remember like unpacking all my stuff. I didn't even unpack half my stuff, unpacked my stuff, ate and I was like, yeah, sick, got to get to the gym. Like went to Doherty's, trained. Um, and it wasn't until I really got back that night that I was like, holy shit, like you live here now. Live here. Like you, yeah. you don't live in Adelaide anymore. Like this is home now kind of thing. So, um, so that was obviously exciting and new and that presented uh, a fair few challenges and things along the way. Obviously, I've gone from running a very successful store here to opening not just a new store, but a new store and a massive, massive city as well. So um, that was, I guess, the first time I'd gone through the challenges of like, it's almost like opening a new business essentially because like we've, what you guys have built here is such a, a big well-known brand versus Melbourne is such a huge, huge market. It was almost, uh, you've, you've gone from like starting like here in South Australia to like you're back down here. Start and, at the bottom. Exactly. Yeah. So, and like obviously there were some slow days in store as well, which um, you try not to let get to you, but they do. Like if you're only having like two or three people come in during the day, you almost feel like it's on you for like the store not doing well. So... Um, there were those challenges there. Obviously, I was still getting my physique back and like everything still revolved around bodybuilding at that point. But I had a new appreciation for training as well. Um, I had a new city to explore with all these unreal gyms, like um, made plenty of friends over there as well. So like everything was going really, really good over there at the start. And then I went to the Gold Coast with a partner of mine. So um Spent New Year's up there, came back, and the people that I was living with kind of sprung on me like, oh, yeah, we've got to be out in like two or, two or three days or something like that. So everything, same kind of thing. Everything goes from like everything's clicking really, really well. Everything's flowing smoothly to like that, um, yeah, like what do you do now kind of thing. So. Yeah. So, yeah, that was another one of those sink or swim situations. Obviously, I've gone through a couple of those previously that year, so it didn't really phase me that much. It was never in my mind to come back to Adelaide. Like, I didn't want to fail. I didn't want to let you guys down. Um, yeah, it was always in my head to make it work over there. So, yeah, that's exactly what I did. Pulled some strings. Um, might have slept out the back of the store for a couple of days. Well, you've got, a, you've, got a, you've got a funny story. <laughs> I, I want you to tell the story because I think that it does kind of demonstrate, um, you know, the, the level of grit that you uh, had developed up to that point in your life. Yeah. But I do just want to disclaim this is that I heard this story for the first time last <laughs> week, right? I did not know that this happened. And when you guys hear the story, you'll be like, oh shit, really? And I still tell owe, the story, Jamie. I still, I, still, I, still owe, I still owe you a week of rent as well. Tell the story. No, nah, long story short, um, yeah, like I said, I came back from the Gold Coast, like everything moving smoothly. Like I think I decided that I wanted to compete that next year. So training was good. Like I was loving living in Melbourne. Like everything was like moving smoothly. And then came back to Melbourne and the two girls that I was living with had decided to move back home. So they'd broken the lease and they'd found someone to – move into the house and they wanted to move in ASAP. So I had two days to find somewhere to live. So, and this is the downside to not knowing any family or friends or anything like that in Melbourne. Like, where do you go? What do you do kind of thing? So um, obviously with two days, I couldn't do a whole hell of a lot. So one of my mates let me sleep on their couch for about four weeks. And then his housemate was like, no, like this is enough. Like he's been here for four weeks. Like, like can't keep doing this kind of thing, which was fair enough. You can't sleep on someone's couch for the rest of your life. Um, 
and yeah, that day, so I packed everything in my car, put everything in my car, called a few people, looked at some houses online. Like I'd never had my own rental or anything at that point, so I had no idea how to go about doing that. Um, and yeah, I think it got to like 5 or 6 p.m. I'd trained, I'd gotten, got something to eat. I was like, what am I going to do? Like, So I had a blow-up mattress in the car. We had a car park out the back of the Coburg store. So pushed the clicker, drove out the back of the Coburg store, like opened the store from the back, pumped up the blow-up mattress, unplugged the exit sign so I didn't have any light or anything. And I think there was probably maybe two, it was probably like three or four nights where I like slept out the back of the store on a blow-up mattress. Probably the cleanest the store's ever looked because I had so much time to kill. But yeah, woke up in the morning at like 6.30. Like obviously there's no shower in the store or anything. So I was like, well, if you got all this time, like the gym's five minutes down the road. So went to the gym, trained in the morning, did some cardio, like had a shower at the gym, then drove back to the store, parked out the front of the store, unlocked the store at like, I think it was like 10 to 10, to 10 or quarter to 10 or something like that. Walked in, the store was clean because it was spotless because I had all that time to clean it from the day before. So um, yeah, just made it as if like I was rocking up to work first thing in the morning and probably did that for three or four days. And then eventually, like I said, found somewhere to move into and found somewhere to live. But yeah, there was a, a few few days there where, yeah, sleeping out the back of the store, just making it making it work. So, <laughs> had you given me a call, Jamie, I would have taken care of that for you. But <laughs> you know, I guess it's that mindset around. You know, I put myself in this situation. I'm gonna figure when, out how to get that, out of that's, it. That's that's exactly what it was. It was like you put yourself in this situation, you can pull yourself out of the situation. Like you you decided to move over here. Like you got yourself in this situation. Like you're gonna make it work. So there was never. And I think that says a lot about, I guess, where my mindset was. It wasn't even 1% in my mindset that was like, fuck, this is too hard. Like, maybe you should go back to Adelaide. It was like, all right, I'm going to make this work. Like, if I'm going to sleep in my car, if I'm going to sleep at the back of the store, if I'm going to do this, like, I'm going to make it work. So, um, yeah, made it work. So, 100%. I think, um, you know, at, at this point as well, on the back of the rehab from the injury on the back of confronting the, um, the, the fear really of kind of moving to a city where you don't know anybody. Um, you kind of have no fallback plan. There is really no safety net there. Um, or no safety net that you, you feel like you can access or want to access. It's a very sink or swim situation. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think, you know, what you're doing here is you're actually building a bunch of, um, forward momentum yep. when it comes to, you know what, I can do anything. Yeah, and right? that's that's exactly what my mindset was. Like, yeah. especially after going through going through that injury, like moving to a new state, like, and that's obviously, and it's the same in business. You're always going to have your, your days where like everything that just goes wrong does go wrong and you do second guess yourself, but it's never anything more than like one bad day. So, yeah, that was my whole mindset towards it. Like, you got to, all right. You got to move forward, like like exactly like you said, like gaining that momentum because it does translate into every other aspect of life as well. So, yeah, I had to make it work, and I did. You did, and then the next part of your story here, Jamie, is um, you decide, you know what, I'm going to move again. I'm going to, this is when you turn into Gypsy Jamie. It is. I tried <laughs> all around. I, I, I tried to talk you into opening a Sydney store. You did. <laughs> you did. You did. But um, but you met a, a, a partner, yeah. um, a new partner who lived in Sydney yeah. um, or just outside of Sydney in New South Wales. And, um, you know, you decided, well, I think I might move. 
yeah. the right move for this for this person at the time. Um, you know, pack up what had been at the time a uh, couple of years. Was it a couple of years in Melbourne? Yeah, by that time? I think it was Almost about a, two years. It was one year. Nah, I think it was just over a year okay. in Melbourne. So I've been there a, a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you'd done a great job at at uh, the massive Joe's Coburg store kind of got it off its feet. It was at a point where it was trading really well. We built a nice little community there and you were like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go and, uh, and, and try this. I'm going to move to just outside of Sydney. I'm going to start my own business, uh, which was a personal training business at the time, which really was your first taste into your own business. Because up until that point, you'd worked at different retail supplement stores and you'd been with Massive Joe's for, uh, you know, two or three years by that point across two different states, a couple of different stores. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that period. Well, that's the thing. Like when it comes to like moving, um, like moving states never bothered me. Like I'd be able to train in a gym, I'd meet people. Like that was never... That was never something that fazed me too much. But when it comes to obviously like the financial side of things, like working in a sub store is like, it's it's a good job, but it's not an overly hard job. Like you've got your list of things to do. You've got to tick this, tick this, tick this. Like um, it, it's not an overly strenuous job. And you've got that, that safety net of like, you know, you're going to get a paycheck every single fortnight. Now, I'd been qualified as a personal trainer for probably like, three and a half years at this point and I hadn't really like I'd never gone and walked worked in a gym or anything like that I'd trained clients but I hadn't gone and committed to like fully running my own business or anything like that so um like I said I think that and that would primarily be because again that safety net like if I work in a supplement store like I know what I'm going to get paid every fortnight like I know what I need to do whereas obviously running your own business like the more you work the more you get paid but you don't have that paycheck coming in every week or every fortnight or every month or whatever it is. So um, it was something I'd kind of tossed up for a while moving to Sydney and then just, again, one day pulled the trigger on it. Um, moved up there and started working at Anytime Fitness. So I I was lucky enough to start working in the office because then, again, in the back of my mind, there was just that like, no, I need like, I need something consistent coming in. So as confident as I was in myself at the time, there was that, still underlying like you need like a consistent paycheck coming in like that was still stressing me out and obviously going and working in I wouldn't say a new industry but it is a completely new line of work like it is something very foreign and new to you as well so um yeah I started working at any time then I started PTing there obviously when you start out as a personal trainer you're not going to have a heap of clients or anything like that you kind of got to build everything like and I didn't really know anyone in Sydney like I said I was born in Sydney but like I didn't have any mates there or anything like that so um fresh start again after a year like new job new industry like new business owners obviously we had quite a we'd been mates for quite a few years so even though you do own the company like it was like i'm working for one of my mates kind of thing whereas you go and work for a company where you don't know anyone and it feels it's daunting like going into a completely different workplace and um yeah like i said essentially new new industry so um it probably took me about three, two or three months to probably get the hang of what I was doing. And then once I got more confident in what I was doing, started to learn, learn all the members, like started to make friends there, like got a bit more comfortable there. That really, really did start flowing from there. And then it's one of those self-confidence things. Like when I went there, obviously I had that fitness and bodybuilding background and like, but I wasn't that confident in what I was charging for sessions. I didn't know what to charge for sessions. And I probably... Uh, I probably under, almost undersold myself for like all the knowledge and everything that I had. Like 
I had all these qualifications, but I was like, nah, if I charge this much, like I'm I'm not worth like like an eighty dollar, ninety dollar an hour session or anything like that kind of thing. And um it was people around me that were like, man, with like the knowledge and everything that you've got, like and how you look, like you should be charging like this much for a session. I was like, really? Like you could charge that much for a session kind of thing. So um yeah, I probably wasn't as confident in my ability as what I thought I was. Like in the gym, like super confident in my ability. But then obviously when it came to training people and like, I guess, valuing the knowledge and everything that I had, that was something that was quite low at that point. So um, again, another opportunity for growth there as well. I learned a lot, started picking up a lot of clients. I really enjoyed helping people and educating people. So, and I'd see my clients come in week after week and like, it's, 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 it's a cool feeling when you see someone start with you and then four weeks later, they come in the gym with a smile on their face. They're looking forward to actually training even the days where you're not training them, you see them in the gym when they normally wouldn't have been. So it was a very fulfilling job and I did really enjoy it. And like you said, that was my first taste of really running my own business and I guess running my own business and having like a community there as well. So like I had my own little team of like athletes and people that were training training with me, training for me. Um, and I'd make sure I introduced them all to each other because I had a lot of them back to back. So like it was a really cool feeling, not just helping people, but like seeing people that I'd, introduced to each other like having a chat in the gym like just really creating like almost that positive community kind of atmosphere in the gym so that was really really enjoyable mm, so 100 and then from there i would so bodybuilding had taken a backseat for the first time in my life from there because again you're working for yourself like you want to make money like you've got to yeah, that's got to be your priority like your training can't be a priority so yeah, for probably a good six months there, my priority was just building my business and gaining more clients and doing well at what I was doing. And then the IFBB announced that Classic Physique was going to be coming to Australia. So that got my attention very, very quickly. Mm. So, mm. yeah, from there, decided that I was going to do Classic Physique. As I'd always done, had no off-season or anything like that. I was just like, yep, sweet, we're 20 weeks out, prep starts now. Let's go. Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah, older and wiser now. You need a bit of an improvement season now. But, um. Yeah, from there, I got stuck straight back into prep. Like, after having all that time off, I think the last time I'd competed was 2015 with you. 15, just before the, the pack tear. Yep. Yep. So, and then, yeah, the show was the New South Wales State Show. Obviously, I've made a lot of friends. I was training in a gym. Like, I had a really good community in, around me as well. So, that was a really, really enjoyable prep. Um, body was good. There was no injuries, no niggles, nothing hanging around. Probably got into the best shape still to this day that I've ever been in. And then I guess, again, it's one of those things. You got all these things going right. And I'm starting to notice a bit of a trend here with all these stories. Everything goes right. And then in that peak week, everything just kind of nosedives really, really quickly. So, um, and then same thing happened at the Arnold's. Like, it looked amazing on the Friday. And then come the Sunday, everything's kind of, I mean, you know what bodybuilding's like. Within a couple of hours, you can go from looking like your absolute best to looking like you're six weeks out. And that's exactly what happened. So, um, yeah, we find ourselves back at that junction again. What's uh, what's next? Like, what do you do next? And this time, it's probably the first time I hadn't really had a plan or an answer to what's next. Like, Pecta, like, okay, what's next kind of thing. Move through that. Move to Melbourne. Okay. Didn't have a place to live, right? Move forward. What's next? And the only time in my life I've never really had a plan or known what to do was after the Arnold's because I'd put everything into that prep. Then you wake up the next day after the show, and what do you do? 
like what's next kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I was probably um, treading water for a little bit there. Moved from Melbourne to no, moved from Sydney to Queensland. So we've made our way all all the way up Australian coast now. So, and um, yeah, I was there for about six months, and that didn't quite work out how I wanted it to. And then I can't remember how we got back in contact. I was down here for something, and then. You and Leah put to me, well, you need someone to run the Massive Joe's Donut store. And I sat on that for a few days and I was like, you know what, why not? So then made my way back down here to run yet again another Massive Joe's store in 2018. Mm -hmm. So, And there's something to be said here as well that kind of ties, um, you know, uh, I guess it kind of ties into business a little bit now because with your supplement company that we'll get to in a second with vice versa, um, now we carry your supplements in our retail stores you and do. online. As soon as I made the brand, I sent you them through. You're yeah. like, all right, send me an Straight order up. as soon as you're done. So. Right. And, and we, you know, we so often see um, uh, employees leave companies on bad terms. Right or burn bridges, so to speak. Right, and and it's kind of like you know what, at the end of that relationship, that's it. You never talk again. You never do anything again. Um, and that's kind of that's where that that's the line in the sand. Uh, but you left us originally uh, when you moved from Melbourne to Sydney, right? And then you've come back into the company. Uh, you've moved back to Adelaide to manage another one of our retail stores here, Massive Joe's Dernan Court, which is our flagship retail store. Uh, and then you you leave again and you go back to Melbourne at that point just before COVID. We won't get into that yep. because that was, in <laughs> hindsight, not the best place to be during lockdowns. But, <laughs> but you were there, uh, you know, and then and then so you've left us again to kind of, you know, move and, and you actually went and worked with direct competitors, right, at the time. Uh, and now you've kind of started your own supplement company you've become, and, and you've come back into, well, your brand has come back in. Um, You've done a really good job, I guess, uh, of leaving on good terms, you know, every time that you've left. And I think, you know, how? Do, what's your kind of mindset around that? Because I see a lot of people mess that up. I don't know if it's whether people leave somewhere and there's something disgruntled or they're not happy with or like, like I said, like I left on, it wasn't as if I left on bad terms or anything like that but like when you've got obviously it would have been you guys would have rather I stayed and kept working for the company but when you value someone as a person and I guess their growth as a person and their life more than an employee and I think that's what it comes down to a lot with you guys as well like you were always happy to have me back but at the same time like we were like mates as well like you want your friends to go and grow like so um, it's a tough one because like I said like you've from a business point of view, like you obviously would rather me stay and like run the store and keep doing my thing. But like as a as a friend, you want to go see your friends be successful and have these life experiences. And you guys allowed me to do that. So the same thing with the Melbourne thing. Like you didn't have to let me go and take that jump and go and work in the Melbourne store. But again, you want to see someone grow and excel. And that's one thing that without plugging you guys too much here, that's one thing that Massive Joe's does very well with their, with their employees. It's a lot of room for growth, like a lot of new education. And it's a, you hold everyone to a high standard here, but you actually care about your employees. It's not like everyone is just number one, employee two, employee three. Um, not only that, I've like you said, I have gone and worked for a lot of direct competitors and I think as I've got a bit older in the industry, like I like learning. So like ev I think you can learn something from every single person you meet. So every industry and every different person who I went and worked for, I 
paid attention to how they do business. I'd pay attention under like to what I liked that they did business wise. I'd pay attention to like what could be improved on business wise. Um, whether or not I said that to them and they actually took it on board, because a lot of people are very like strong, strong minded, like they think what they know is best. But um, same as when I worked for you guys, it was like I really liked some things that we did, and then there was other things that I thought could be done better. And you always took that information on board, and you always took everyone's. I guess, opinion and constructive criticism on board is what we could do better. So um, I don't buy into bagging a company once you've left them. It's, it's the same as a relationship. Once you leave a relationship, you hear so many people slander their ex-partners and have all these poor things to say about them. But at one point, like in your life, that's exactly what you wanted. So there's no point speaking poorly or negatively of a partner, a previous workplace, like a, pre a previous like sporting team that you played at because at one point that was, you loved doing that. So um, like I said, there's, I've worked for Muscleworks, Heavyweight, which is no longer a supplement company, Genesis. I've got a few things to say about that, but I'll... <laughs> Maybe it, not on the podcast. Yeah, they, they, Genesis made me appreciate how well you do things. I'll just keep it short of that. And then Nutrition Warehouse, which is obviously a massive retail chain as well. Um, and I've got nothing but good things to say about like all of those businesses. Obviously, everyone does things completely differently, but this always did feel like home. Like even when I walk in here now to do the podcast, like walk straight in the door like I'm still an employee at the place. So... Um, I think you want to leave, like I said, you want to leave on good terms. But if you hold on to negativity, like it's it's going to burn inside of you. Like I don't buy into holding on to anything negative, whether it be about a person, a business, anything like that. And like you said, if you burn those bridges and you say things that get back to people, well, you never know. You might go and start your own supplement company. So if I leave on bad terms, we have a big falling out. And then in three years' time, I hear you off. I'm like, hey, Joe, I've got this new product. Um, do you want me to send you through a price list? You probably open it and just leave it at that. So, um, yeah, I think you want to stay on as, stay on good terms with as many people as what you can, but it's, it goes back to that. If you don't have anything nice to say, you probably don't need to say anything at all. I want to talk a little bit about the supplement company, yeah. about vice versa, right? Because that's really kind of the the next step and, and really that's where your, your story's at to yeah, this point, well, right? Today, so, yeah. you, um, I, I mean, made, I made sure I wore the yeah, right shirt today. You got the right t-shirt on today. Um, where did the motivation come from to start your own brand? Um, how did that kind of seed get planted? And then how do you, you know, how do you kind of take the 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 leap, really, the leap of faith to go, you know what, I think I can kind of do this. I've got the experience. I'm at a point where I can make this work and I'm just going to do it and see what happens. Yeah. The So I can pinpoint exactly where it all kind of started from. I was, I just moved back from Melbourne to South Australia. Obviously Melbourne went to that second lockdown. Everything was open here. That was a pretty easy decision for me to decide to come back to Adelaide. Um, so you have to isolate for two weeks. I was stuck in isolation. You spend a lot of time on social media on your phone. I came across the brand HD Muscle. So I really liked everything they did product-wise. I was a big fan of their formulas and everything like that. I ordered a few of their products, tried them. was pretty keen on being an athlete for the brand. Um, that ended up working out. So I became an Australian athlete for the brand. I was promoting their products. I really liked what they were doing, but same thing. I didn't. I liked what they were doing, but there was a lot of things where I was like, I'd do this differently. I'd do this differently. Um, and then they approached me about being the distributor for the brand in Australia. And I was like, 
never thought about doing that before. Like that'd be cool. Like I do have all this industry experience. Like I know a lot of companies. I know a lot of people in the industry. Like I could make this work kind of thing. Um, and then I got talking to someone one day and they were like, why don't you do your own brand? And like instantly I was like, nah, I was like that. Like I don't, I don't even know where to start for that. But that conversation stuck with me. So, um, and I was talking to Josh, who is my other business partner with Vice Versa and kind of like said that, I think it might have been him who I was talking to and he said that, that why don't you do your own brand kind of thing? And I was like, oh, man, I wouldn't know where to start. I don't have any contacts. I wouldn't know who to talk to about. Um, starting my own brand, getting samples made, anything like that. Here um, it is again. How do you eat an elephant? <laughs> you so, see how these things tie together, Jeremy? Yeah. This is all 100%. life experience now, yeah. right? So, so how'd you do it? Um, so Josh was very handy. So Josh uh, had worked with Black Label Blending, which is a Queensland-based company, um, Queensland manufacturer. I think you guys do a bit of work with Black Label as well. So um, yeah, super easy company to work for. I knew what I wanted from a formula point of view. So I'd come up with a few formulas, which I sent over to them. Um, and it's one of those things. You don't hear back from these companies because they work with these massive, massive companies. We're a startup company. So didn't hear a whole hell of a lot back for the first probably about four or five weeks. Then got a message one day saying that like, here's your tracking number, your samples are in the mail kind of thing. And I was like, oh, shit, that was quick. Um, samples got sent down to us, tried the products, really, really liked one of them, wanted to tweak one of the other ones. They sent us down samples again, done, approved. All right, send us over the invoice. I was like, shit, this is actually happening kind of thing. So then I put exactly, I was trying to come up with names for names for a brand. I was trying to come up with like designs for a brand, like colors, like everything like that. And like, there was so many things I liked, but nothing felt right. Now I'm a big Miami Heat fan and I really, really liked their jersey from a few years ago. I remember sitting there watching game. I was like, that jersey is sick. It was a city edition jersey. I was like, pink and blue, like looks sick. I was like, that'd look cool on a tub. I was like, that would look cool on a tub. Sent my graphic designer a photo of the Miami jersey. I was like, okay, like this is what I want. Like this is the name of the pre-workout. I was like, I want some Grand Theft Auto inspired like stuff in the background. I want an infinity stone in the front of it. Like all the things that I like being a 28-year-old child. Um, <laughs> sent me back the design. I was like, that's exactly what I had in mind. So it's cool that I've got something in front of me that is like everything that has come out of that out of my head is now on the label for that product. So, um, and it was still a learning process. I was like, all right, cool. I've got the graphics. I've got the samples made. Like, what do I do now? So, um, and Black Label was really good from that point of view. They kind of explained the process, how we do the labels. Like, it's a tedious process because you've got to approve the samples. You've got to get um, your tub size right. You've got to get your labels right. You've got to, like, this went on for months and months and months and months. So, but then after a couple of months, we approved everything, got the invoice, paid the invoice, didn't hear anything back from them for, again, probably like six or seven weeks. And then I think Josh tried to call me at like 5.30 in the morning or something like that. So I saw my phone ring and I was like, what does he want? Didn't answer. Checked my phone when I woke up and I was like, hey, bro, tubs are ready. I was like, what do you mean the tubs are ready? He's like, yeah, bro, tubs are ready. Message me at two o'clock later today. He's like, yeah, but I've got them all here. So like after not hearing anything for like all that time and even seeing it in a photo, it doesn't feel real. It wasn't until he actually sent me down tubs that I opened it. I was like, holy shit, like this is my brand. Like I did this kind of thing. So um, yeah, it was a surreal feeling. Like I said, you go, all that planning and everything goes into it and then 
it's not until you physically got it in your hands that it's like shit. Like I went from like doing promos when I was 17 in gyms handing out samples to like I've got my own brand now. This is my own product. Yeah. My so own brand. It's cool how everything goes, I guess, comes full circle. And like the feedback on the products has been really, really good. Like I didn't want to make a I didn't want to make a bodybuilding brand. I wanted to make a brand that anyone from any walk of life could use, whether they do CrossFit, play football, play badminton, like do MMA, anything like that. I wanted a product or two products that anyone from any walk of life could use and you'd feel good in the gym mm -hmm. doing it. So um yeah, feedback's been awesome so far. Flavors have been awesome so far. Like what we touched on before, not everything always goes smooth sailing when it comes to running a business. But again, it's that learning process. And when something goes wrong, I've had all these other things that I've dealt with in life before and learned from them. So now something goes wrong and what I've learned and done here, I'll put into my business and life now. So it's never like that whole, fuck, why has this happened to me kind of thing. It's okay, that's happened like... What do we do next? Like, how do we move forward from this? I think one of the themes that um, the listeners and the viewers uh, have probably identified as, as we've kind of gone through your story and we've kind of taken deep dives into the little, um, the highlights and the lowlights and whatnot, is that you, are develop you have developed and you are continuing to develop a pretty fierce growth mindset, right? The way that you approach confronting challenges as opportunities to develop skills and get better. The way that you confront big projects, eating elephants, breaking them down into smaller pieces and just going, okay, well, let me just figure out what's next and then I'll take the next step. And then I don't need to look at the whole thing all at once. I can zoom out and appreciate the, the magnitude of the project, but then I can zoom in and just focus on taking the next bite and then taking the next bite. The way that you think about other people's success not coming out of your pocket, yeah. right? Is that there is an infinite amount of success. Exactly. And everybody can have as much as they want. And, you know, your success is not coming out of my pocket. I don't have to lose for you to win. Yeah, exactly. The way that you look at setbacks as setups for the next phase of your life or the next part of your journey or the next project that you can pursue. And the way that you continuously, you mentioned it a few times as we've been going through your story, the way that you always look at different ways to learn, you know, whether you're working for different companies and you're figuring out, you know, how they do things, can it be done better? Is this the best way I've seen it done? Um, you know, the way that you're always kind of searching for ways to improve your skill set, to improve as a person and continuing to, to kind of level up. I think that, you know, you, you have developed um, quite, a, quite a, a fierce growth mindset. And as part of that, you continue to develop yeah. a growth mindset. It's always um, moving forward. That's what it's always going to be. Well, that's it, man. And it's pretty, like, it's pretty cool to see to go through as, you know, a 17, 18-year-old and kind of, you know, track through the different elements of your story to get to a point where, like, everything's kind of tied together in what you're doing now. Yeah, it is. Big right? time. Big time. I just want to, I, I, I need to ask this because I know that there's a lot of um, listeners and viewers who tune into the show who, you know, perhaps they run their own business. Perhaps a lot of them are thinking about starting their own business, right? And now when it comes to product related businesses, you run your own supplement company. Yep. And so the mindset around, let me just take supplements as an example, but this will apply to any product. This could apply to um, a, a makeup. This could apply to um, drink bottles. This could apply to an apparel company, whatever it is, right? The, I think the misconception is that I've got this idea. 
for a product, right? I'm going to go and formulate the product or design the product or, you know, depending on what the product is. And I'm going to get it in my hands and then I'm just going to tell people about it and it's going to sell and then I'm going to have a business. If that was how it worked, I'd, <laughs> I'd have a lot of money in my bank account right? right now. It's much more difficult, right? Is you've, you've tapped on how difficult the actual product development stage is in terms of with supplements, you know, it's branding, it's labels, it's tubs, it's flavors, it's formulas, it's all this shit just to get to the point where you have a product that you can sell and then the work starts. Yeah, getting the product in your hand is the easy part in comparison because yeah. not only that, like business, especially like supplements, like I was very lucky because obviously had a good relationship with you. There's a few well, other you, companies I've I had mean, good you relationships had, you, with. And you had industry contacts, right? Like you mentioned all of the different retailers that you've worked with like, and you've been working in the industry for 10 years at this point. So you've got the contacts and it's still fucking hard. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's difficult. That's for sure. So, so how do you do it? Obviously, like, I mean, if you're a good person, you've got good contacts, you've like what we touched on. If you've still got good relationships with people, they're going to be more inclined to bring your brand on board. So, but um, it's a cutthroat industry as well. Like, obviously, a lot of companies these days make their own product because that's where the most margin is. So why are they going to take a chance on a brand new up and coming product, which someone else has started when they can sell their own product and make three times the amount? Like, again, they don't give a shit if you're successful or not. That falls purely down onto your work ethic and what you're going to do. So um, I think that's something at the start. So Josh and I obviously like do all the numbers and worked out how much the tubs were and this and that. And I think we worked out like, oh, shit, like we're sitting on like 300K of products if we sell it on our website. Mm. Didn't quite sell 300K of products on our website. Would have been nice if we did. But I mean, you want to be optimistic, but you also don't want to get to uh, – you want to set realistic goals for yourself as well. Like um, – like what you touched on, like I've got a lot of contacts in the fitness industry and like I've, I really appreciate all the people that have taken the time to jump on the brand, the people on social media that have supported the brand as well because I think we've got something pretty cool with what we're doing with the brand. Like the products are completely different to what you see on most shelves, the labels stand out or the apparel that we've done. It's just something different in the Australian fitness industry. So um, it's a lot of the stuff that, I guess used to get done 10 years ago and you don't see done too much these days post COVID it's going and doing samplings in, in gyms and getting the brand out there. Obviously social media ads and stuff like that play a big role in it. And I didn't realize how big that was until I started working with Will, who's one of my good mates, who's a um, media marketer as well. Um, and it's one of those things you got to spend money to make money, but you got to spend money on the products. You got to spend money on the ads. Like I run the business myself. So I'm not at the point of like having to hire people to run the business, but, um, yeah, it's one of those things where like, it would have been easier for me not to start the business and just kind of sit on that money that I had saved that I put into starting the business. But like we touched on with everything else, it's a sink or swim situation, um, and I talked to someone about it and they're like, oh, well, like, worst thing, like, if it doesn't go well, you don't have to buy pre-workout for the rest of your life. And, like, as funny as that sounds, like, it's true. Like, all right, your mates are going to support your brand. Like, if this goes to, like, doesn't work out or goes to shit, like, okay, well, you're set for pre-workout for the rest of your life as well. So, but, um, yeah, it's still a learning process. Like, obviously, getting the the hardest part has been getting retailers to take on the brand. Um, 
like I said, I've been had support from you guys. I've had support from people in Adelaide. But it's funny because like you're going to have the other way where I've contacted a retailer to stock the brand and they've gone, oh, who else stocks it? And I've been like, oh, well, just Joe right now. And then they go, oh, nah. So, yeah, it goes kind of like you get that, two ways. You get that fixed mindset come back. You at do, you, right? man. Yeah. yeah, you do. It's that, oh, I don't want it if he's got it kind of thing. Or like, oh, he's selling it. Then like, I'm not going to be able to sell it. So, um, yeah, it's that whole like exactly what you touched on. Like your success is not coming out of my pocket. Like we can all win together. So like I've still got friends who run their own supplement companies. Like, I still post the products that you guys stock here. Like if someone makes a good product or if someone does something well, you got to give credit where it's due. So um, like we touched on last week, like I still use a lot of the Primabolics products. Like I rate Will's range very, very highly. Like I still post them on my socials. He likes my products. He's put them on his socials before. That's the mindset that people should have. It shouldn't be like, a, all right, like I'm in my bubble. Like my product is the only one that exists. I'm just going to post my stuff. You can have a growth mindset. If you, what you're doing is as good as you think it is, you're going to be successful regardless of what it, whatever else is out there. So that is my mindset towards this whole business thing. And like I said, I've got good people on board with the brand. I've got good athletes promoting the brand. We've got a lot of cross-promoting athletes, obviously, who promote the TMJ apparel. And then I've got people that send people here to buy Vice as well. So if you've got, I guess, good people around you, like, and that's how it should be. If a friend starts a business, your friends should be supporting your brand and doing things without you having to give them out free stuff or promote it. So, um, yeah, as much as like... Like I said, I've had like good people support the brand. I do have a lot of good people around me, which I guess I've built over this last like six, seven, eight years of like traveling around everywhere. So um, yeah, the 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 whole traveling and like moving to different states, like the ups and downs, meeting all these amazing people. Most of those people that I've met over that journey have supported the brand in one way or another. So when it comes down to it, be a good person. Like I got I got two more questions for you, Jamie. Um, the first question is if you're listening right now and you're, you know, feeling inspired or motivated by your story, yeah. right? By your your um, you know, really kind of started from the bottom. Now we hear kind of story. Yeah. Um, and you can appreciate the growth mindset, but you are self-aware enough to know that, you know what, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm not there, right? I, I, when I come up against challenges, I just want to crawl back into my shell. Um, I think that other people's success is coming out of my pocket. You know, I have on a scale of growth mindset to fixed mindset, I am very much towards the fixed mindset. How do I start to develop a growth mindset, what advice would you give? Like I said, like I was lucky when it came to like all those things that happened when I was young obviously made me quite resilient and built quite a a growth mindset towards things. But it's the same as that whole victim mentality of things. Like as soon as something bad happens, like it's an automatic like a like something clicks and you go, why me kind of thing. So um I think you've got to work on your, like you've actually got to like take some time to work on your mindset. So a lot of the viewers, I don't know if know this or not. So I've grown up without a father. So I've grown up with like a single mother. So like I never really had anyone there to kind of explain or like I never had anyone to kind of as a role model or anything like that. So um, through those 17, 18, 19, 20 years, like as I was 
learning about bodybuilding and started discovering people like Kobe, Phil Heath. Like obviously these are guys who are elite at what they do, but you don't get to that level without a mindset a certain way. So something I've started doing a lot more lately has been reading a lot more books. So obviously Tim Grover's book, Relentless, and he's got another one called Winning, which is about that that mindset, that Kobe, that Dwayne Wade, that Jordan, that winning kind of mindset. So if you feel like your mindset's stuck in a certain way, there are two books that I recommend anyone reading, regardless of whether you're thinking about starting a business, if it's competing for the first time, if it's going and trying a new sport or just trying something completely new and you do find yourself second-guessing yourself. Um, start reading and even, like like I said, watch a few of those stories. Like with the internet these days, we've got access to so many things on the internet when it comes to um, those champions of like sporting and like I use that as an example because that's what I'm into so it might be if you're starting a business you might go and listen to a Warren Buffett podcast or even something like this someone like yourself who started the brand from like where it was in 2005 to where it is now so um it's hard to motivate yourself especially when you have been stuck in such a, a certain way for a long period of time hearing other people's stories that you can relate to or that you can take little pieces from. Like I said, myself, it was Kobe and Phil Heath that like I took little things from their mindsets and applied them to my life and applied them to how I thought and how I guess like how I've got this growth mindset now. Um, I guess that's, in my opinion, that's a really, really good way of turning around because like I said, you, if you're reading a book, nice and quiet. You can go through, read exactly what's in there. You've got nothing else distracting you. You're going to take that information in properly. So um, yeah, learn from someone who you look up to. So I'm not saying base exactly what you're doing off of how they do, but look at how they go about things, how they handle success, how they handle failure. Kobe, prime example, like um, I think it was 2010 after they lost, lost the championship. Chris Bosch tells a story how they were playing for the USA team. He rocked up, set his alarm. All right, set his alarm at 4.30 in the morning. I'm going to be first person there at practice. I'm going to practice before breakfast. Got down there and Kobe was already sitting there covered in sweat, had ice packs on his knees. And he was like, it took me a moment to like kind of like figure out what had happened. But he'd lost the championship like a week ago. And a week after that, he was already back working on his game, working at what he was doing there before everyone else. So even elite athletes are doing that kind of stuff, taking away motivation from other athletes. So there's so many things that you can pull, I guess, motivation. You can see how other people go about things in business, in training, in absolutely everything. So yeah, start reading and start watching someone that you look up to. Good advice. Last question. What piece of advice can you give somebody who's thinking about or is about to embark on starting their own business? I know it's a broad question. <laughs> it is a broad question. Like I said, the, I didn't really know where to start, but like just start somewhere. Like it's the, me as like a PT, like I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea about tax or anything like that. Like, but just start somewhere. Like most of the things that I've done, I've learned as I've gone and, that's like for me that's worked out but um ask questions man like i me younger i was probably a bit stubborn and like the whole melbourne thing like you said like if i called you and asked you for help like you would have helped me but yeah. me being stubborn like i was it was like nah, i can do this on my own kind of thing you've got so many people around you that you can learn from and like i touched on the question before the internet there's so much access to stuff you can ask questions like 
surround yourself with good people who obviously you value their opinion. But like if you've got friends who own businesses, ask them questions. Like if you're like, it's as simple as like jumping online. Like even if you looked up like how to start a business, like you're better off spending like 30 minutes watching a YouTube video on how to start a business and just sitting there doing nothing about it. So be proactive, like start somewhere. Like even if it's little things, like you contact like a media marketing company or someone that helps build websites and set businesses up and just ask questions, like keep asking questions. So that's the only way you're going to, the only way you're going to get an answer to something, you got to ask the question. So keep asking as many questions as you can. Take in as much information as you can as well. Like write as much stuff down, like read as much as you can and surround yourself with people that again are going to, all you hire. It's that whole like the five people you surround yourself with, that's what you're going to end up becoming like. So if you surround yourself with growth mindset people, positive people, like people that you want to build with, then you're going to either have to level up or you're going to have to find a new friendship group. So that's probably the best piece of advice I could give. Jeremy, thank you, man. It's been good, man. It's been a good chat. Thank you for for sharing, um, you know, your story thus far, um, and for allowing us to kind of take deep dives into um, some of the more challenging periods of your life. I think that the the listeners and the viewers will have taken a whole bunch of uh, of inspiration and motivation from it. So thank you very much. So good, man. It's been a hell of a ride so far. So well, it's, you're still just getting started, man. I know. You know, it's still you've been through a lot, but it's still just the beginning of your journey. So I'm excited to see where where what the next chapter looks like for Me you, too, man. See where we're at in the next eight years. That's it. Guys, if you have enjoyed uh, listening uh, or watching this episode, if you've enjoyed uh, listening to, to Jamie share his journey, the one thing that we ask in return is that you guys share the show. Uh, you can share it person to person. You can uh, you know tell your friends about it, tell your family about it. One way that we really enjoy seeing it shared uh, is if you guys use Instagram story, if you take a screenshot right now on whatever podcasting platform you are listening on, be it iTunes or Spotify or SoundCloud or whatever, take a screenshot, post it in your Instagram story, tag myself at Joseph Mansell, tag Jamie, uh, Jamie Skippen, uh, straight up, phonetically spelt with two Ps. <laughs> uh, and Jamie and I will see those tags and we'll repost as many of them as we possibly can. We really love seeing you guys share the show uh, in that fashion. Jamie, thank you so much. It's been a great chat. Yeah, man, it's been good. Thank you for uh, for giving up your time and uh, and telling your story. We got there eventually. We did. <laughs> Guys, you could have been anywhere in the world right now, but you're here with us. We appreciate that. Until next time, catch you on the flip side. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Fitness Times Business Podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. And if you enjoyed this episode and took some value from it, make sure you share it with your friends, your family, and your followers. And if you haven't yet, be sure to leave us a five-star rating.